0: Hello, welcome to the St Paul's podcast, where you'll find talks from our Sunday services. For more information, feel free to check out our website, stpauls.co.uk. Thank you. We're going to be looking at this passage this morning, and as Nico mentioned, we're going to be having a think about mental health as well. If we uh, haven't met before, then my name's Harry, I'm often based down at St Barnabas, so Uh, You may not have seen me here before, uh, but uh, it's great to be with you this morning. I wonder what picture of mental health you have, what idea you have when it's talked about. Did you know that as of the 1st of September, now that St Barnabas and St Paul's are one combined parish, we have the biggest uh, mental host- hospital in history in our parish? Did you know that? The Epsom Cluster Hospital, or the, the kind of Horton Estate as it was known, um, there's some pictures of it. Um, where the kind of Horton housing estate now is, uh, that used to be a, a cluster of about five mental hospitals. My uh, history is not perfect, but uh, it, was, it had about 10,000, or it could have 10,000 patients at its peak. Uh, it had about 6,000 staff. In fact, St. Barnabas was built as a church as a church for the staff of the hospital. Just the staff was the enormity of it. It was almost like a, a town in its own right. It had its own water supply. It had its own train station. Some had serious and complex difficulties. Some had learning difficulties. There's stories of some women who had a child out of wedlock and that was enough to put them in a mental hospital. Did you know that North Epsom continues to have the highest concentration of mental ill health and mental disability in the whole of Europe? Friends, this is a topic that is close to home, both in our lives and in our community. These pictures uh, don't particularly conjure up particularly good thoughts, do they? The hospital was closed around the turn of the 21st century, and uh, our care has moved on. But what comes to mind when you think of mental health? What image, what word, what idea? Maybe close your eyes, and just for a moment, have a think at what sits at the front of your mind at the mention of mental health. For me, it's something like this. It's everyday life. It's everyone, every day. Mental health is um, something we all walk with. It can be good, it can be bad, it can be recovering, it can be sick. Just as we all have a physical health and sometimes we're running fit and ready to play squash or football, whatever it might be, so too we have a mental... Or I sometimes think emotional health can be a useful term. We all have an emotional health. Where are you at the moment? where is your mental health do you ever give it much thought perhaps you're struggling with your emotional health you would be in good company one in four of us in our lifetime will struggle with a kind of diagnosable mental health condition and that number's rising one in five at any time so chances are 20 percent of us here are going through something really difficult It could be a chronic condition like bipolar or OCD that we walk with our whole lives. It could be a a temporary thing. It could be something we're getting support for, medication, talking therapies. It could just simply be a particular season of worry or stress. Just as we sometimes have a tummy ache or our elbow hurts for no apparent reason, so too our mind. It can just be a little bit out of place. Our emotional health can just be a little bit subpar. That's okay. That's normal. That's what our bodies and our minds do. Perhaps someone close to you is struggling. A friend, a co-worker, a family member. It can be really hard walking with people who we know are struggling. Because just like a broken leg, often there's no simple, quick fix. We walk with it. We walk alongside it. And now this third category is slightly cheating because we've kind of mentioned it already, and we're all part of it. But perhaps you're someone who needs to look after your mental health. And hint, hint, when I say that to all of us, that really is all of us. What is the equivalent of a quinoa salad for our mental health? We join the gym to look after our bodies and our hearts. So what do we do to look after our minds? Have you ever given it much thought? I sometimes, you know, when you're at a restaurant, you think, oh, I'll have the sticky toffee pudding. No, actually, you know what? I've had four sticky toffee puddings (laughs) this week. I better not. Do we ever do that for our minds? I want to kick off by addressing what I think is a bit of an unspoken myth in church around this. A healthy spiritual life will lead to good mental health. If I pray enough, if I read my Bible, if I go to church and life group, then my mental emotional health will be A-OK. I'll be able to cope with the stresses and strains of life. I think that's true to an extent, but we'd never say that about our physical health. Have you ever heard this line before? I've got a bit of a tummy ache this week, but um, I just don't get it because I've been to church for six weeks in a row, and I just don't understand why my tummy could be hurting. No, we'd never say such a thing. So why do we say I'm feeling really stressed at the moment and I'm a bit overwhelmed, but? I'm a Christian, and I do all my prayer and stuff, so why should I be feeling like this? Do you see the disparity? Do you see the inconsistency? I don't think we always say it, but I think it can be this kind of unsaid culture. It's entirely possible to be a faithful Christian, to love Jesus, and feel the uncontrollable hopelessness of depression the racing thoughts of anxiety, the overriding compulsion of OCD. We can love Jesus and feel overwhelmed by life around us. We can love Jesus and want to curl up into a little ball and not say hello to anyone because life is just a little bit much. We can cry with grief and despair, frustration perhaps. Fortunately, friends, it is good news. God's truths do not depend on us. Just because we can't hold on to His hope sometimes, just because we can't always feel His peace doesn't mean it's not there. It's a bit like a harness. Don't know if you've ever been uh, climbing or done a high ropes course, but if you have, you would have kind of had a wedgie by one of these harnessy things, and uh, it's really uncomfortable. But it doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter whether you're kind of sat on the top of a rock. It doesn't matter whether you're clinging on by your fingertips. It doesn't matter if you've jumped off to kind of get to the next bit, and you're floating in midair. It doesn't even matter if you've slipped and fallen the harness has you. Whatever you do, the harness has got you. However we feel, however hopeless we can get, however anxious we can become, God's harness of his good news, of his peace, of his life, has got you. That's why we wear a harness. If we slipped we'd be in trouble that's why we have a savior we can't look after ourselves we can't have a perfect sunshine and rainbows life that is what jesus is for he came because we're broken not just because we need an optional extra so let's have a look at 1 kings 19. do turn to it if you haven't got it in front of you. I did, and now it's disappeared, so I don't quite know where it's gone. Um, here it is. I'm afraid we haven't got time to, to really go into this. Um, I rewrote this sermon about three times, because I promised Nick and I wouldn't be more than three hours, and I'm going to keep to that. Um, but if you do want to chat to me more afterwards, um, please do. I'll buy you a coffee. Even better, I'll buy us both a beer, and we can chat about this. You can question it. and. There's going to be things we can't say this morning because we just don't have time. Continue those conversations. If you go, oh, I really wish Harry had said this, tell your friend, tell your spouse, tell your whoever, and have that conversation. So let's pick it up. We see in verses 11 and 12 this amazing moment of God's presence. Is God in the wind that breaks rocks? No, he's not. Is he in the earthquake? No. Is he in the fire? No. Is he in the gentle whisper? Yes. It's one of the most poetic and beautiful moments of God's presence in the Bible. And have a look what happens before that amazing moments, moment. Verse 9. God says, what are you doing here, Elijah. Elijah says I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty which is very true he's just had the first ever burn my altar competition the Israelites have rejected your covenant torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword which is kind of true that has been happening but also things have been going quite well I am the only one left which is definitely not true as we'll see later on and now they're trying to kill me too that that is true that's not very nice for Elijah but then God meets him with this poetic, beautiful thing, and there's an earthquake, and there's a fire, and there's a wind, and then there's God pre- God's presence in this gentle whisper. Do you know what God says after this moment? Have a look at it in the text. God says again, what are you doing here, Elijah? And word for word, Elijah says, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. His have rejected you. Word for word, he says the exact same thing. And maybe you've heard, like me, a sermon on this passage before, and it talks about, someone's talks about the intimacy of God's power in a whisper. Isn't it beautiful? And it is. But it doesn't do much on this occasion. Elijah is totally and utterly unchanged. One of the most beautiful moments in the Bible, and what does Elijah do? He says the exact same thing as before. We've all been in that mood, right? You've all had friends and loved ones in that mood, where you're in a bit of a funk, you're a bit grumpy. I get quite grumpy. When I was younger, my mum and dad had to carry around a honey sandwich with them, because little Harry would get all grumpy. And they'd go, Harry, are you hungry? I'd go, no, I'm not hungry. You'd probably do this with your kids. My wife sometimes has to do it with me. And i go, no, I'm not, gr- not grumpy. Would you like a honey sandwich? Yes, I'd like a honey sandwich. And they'd give me a honey sandwich, and all would be well with the world. But we sometimes are in that situation, we get all grumpy, all grumpy, and do you want a honey sandwich? No, don't want a honey sandwich. But you like honey sandwiches. Well, I don't want a honey sandwich. And then sometimes we eat the honey sandwich, but we're still grumpy. This is what Elijah's doing. God's giving him better than a honey sandwich. He's given him his literal presence and conversational relationship, which we only see a few times in the Bible. And he's still grumpy. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes if we're that person offering the honey sandwich, we can get quite hurt. But I made you this honey sandwich, come on. Get out of this funk, get out of this grumpiness. We can get frustrated. Does God get frustrated? No. He's not hurt. He's not disappointed. He's patient and he's gracious. Have a look at verse 15. He gives Elijah some instruction. He gives him a friend to go with him, Elisha. He gives him an achievable task and reminds him that even though Elijah says, I'm the only one left, God has saved 7,000 others who are walking with him faithfully. Earlier we see God give him, Elijah says, I just want to die, Lord, take my life away. And God sends an angel to give him a, something to eat, to give him rest, you see, God has the breadth to cope with humanity's emotional health. God has the breadth to cope with us wherever we are. Elijah's state of mind doesn't change the reality of God's work in the world, but there's no disappointment, no rebuke for Elijah, no, oh, you haven't changed, I've done this amazing thing, I sent an earthquake and a fire, but you're still in your funk. Just patience and encouragement and presence. And the same is true for us. Whether we've had a lifetime of it or a moment of it, God is not disappointed. He's not angry. He's not frustrated. He's gracious and he's patient and he's kind. And this is true wherever we are on our spectrum of emotions, whether we have them under control or not. I want to share with you uh, a little of my own journey and experience. During my teenage years I had almost a decade of um, essentially feeling pretty hopeless. And someone uh, encouraged me to explore what depression might be and, and essentially I, I had depression and had had depression for years. And I often used to, I'm quite a visual person. and And I often used to see it in my mind's eyes, this kind of dark tunnel with a glimmer of light at the end. And what would keep me going on the the tricky days was seeing that glimmer of light at the end of the tunnel. And sometimes it almost literally felt like just trundling along, trying to get to that light. And there was a song and, and these words, I'm tired of living but afraid of dying, summed up how i felt i i no one longer wanted to live if i'm honest with you and occasionally the light at the end of the tunnel felt like this that dim light went out and there are a few moments in my life where this felt like the picture in my mind's eye and a few years ago sometime after i i got better and um, after this season I was, I was praying and I, I felt moved to um, reflect on this season on one of the darkest moments that I had and I'd, I'd been on the floor kind of crying kind of not just kind of numb and, and I decided enough was enough uh, I no longer wanted my part in life and praise God um, I was motionless on the floor and um, I was safe and that that's good But I recalled this moment again in my prayers. And this time, despite not, I didn't see the darkest moment of my life, I suppose I did, but I saw Jesus kneeling next to me. And it was this beautiful moment, this amazing encouragement that even at the depth of the valley, there was Jesus. You see, Jesus is the answer to mental health, even if it's not the immediate answer. It, was, it would be years before I got better, but he was there. And just as sometimes we, our physical bodies hurt and, and it takes time for us to get better, the same is true with our emotions. But God is there, and he is a gracious saviour who meets us and loves us and walks with us. So I'd love us to spend a few moments thinking really practically, what can we do as Christians? What can we do as a community of friends, as brothers and sisters together? Well, firstly, I think we need to have this culture of emotional health is normal. We must normalize the spectrum of emotional and mental health. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to be okay. Sometimes we can feel guilty when we feel good and others around us don't. But that's all right. We all have our own place, our own space to walk. And of course we want people to get better. Don't hear me wrong. But it's okay to acknowledge the pain the hopelessness, the anxiety. If you want a biblical precedent for it, then read Psalm 88. The Psalms are full of these kind of um, cries of lament and despair, and and most of them end with, but my hope is in God. Psalm 88 finishes, darkness is my only friend. There's no moment of, woohoo, everything's better, it's going to be okay. This psalmist acknowledges in the Word of God, I feel utterly hopeless. And that's okay. We need not feel guilty if everything around us is crumbling. We're not being bad Christians. Do you know what we're being? Human. It's okay to not be okay. So what do we do if we are struggling? Well, me first, I think, with this. Have you ever been on a plane and they do that safety announcement? Julian's laughing, he knows what I'm going to say. And they, uh, they say, when the oxygen masks drop down, administer your own mask before you administer the mask to the person next to you. Why do they say that? Well, quite brutally, you're not much help to the person next to you if you're dead. If you haven't got any oxygen, you're not going to be much help on a crashing plane. In a church full of broken people, you're not going to be much help. Well, you you can be help when we're we're struggling, of course you can. But we're going to be more help if we look after ourselves. And we ask other people to look after us. It's not something we do alone, but it might be something we want to give thought to. His uh, four P's and uh, the four R's of practices, which bear with me on that one. Um, Prayer is obvious. Pray, even if the only thing you can do is Lord. The only thing you can do is read Psalm 88. The only thing you can do is just be silent, then do it. If you're feeling good, pray that that might continue. Pray that the Lord will help you in your emotional health. Pray for others. Sometimes we might need to seek the help of professionals. If someone came into church with a broken leg and I said, it's right, sit down here, we'll pray for you, everything's going to be fine. That'd be kind of good vickering, but kind of bad vickering because probably we should ring an ambulance and get them some help. Same with our emotional health. It's okay to seek the help of medical professionals. And this requires patience. The journey to getting better may take some time and practices the four r's of practices routine rest recreation and reorientate i'm gonna go through that very quickly because we just haven't got time but um create routines that help take the rest that you need do the things that you enjoy have a recreation and sometimes we might need to reorientate we might need to change things in our lives or our thinking to help us so What do we do when we're supporting others? Well, I think the best thing we can do, the best uh, kind of lens we can have is understand. Firstly, listen to the people you're trying to look after. If they want to sit in silence, just sit in silence with them. You may have questions in your mind, you may have things that you want to say. If you have questions before someone's spoken, you're not listening properly. Just listen. Understand what's going on with them. Secondly, understand your impact. The difference your love and support can make is huge, and don't underestimate that. If that person goes away and they're still grumpy like little Harry, bear with them. What you did was beautiful, and it doesn't have to make them better straight away. Thirdly, if you want to help, find some, take some time to learn that more. You might want to buy this book, which I think is the best book from a Christian perspective on it, called Christians Get Depressed Too. Really good kind of evangelical reformed theology, um, really good insights, practical advice. um, Read it, basically. Ignore everything I say and just read that. That's the best way to go. You might want to talk to Nico, a pastor, someone to understand it theologically. And finally, most importantly, Know your limits. You're part of someone's support, not all of it. We're really good at taking on the other people's burdens, but then it can kind of weigh us down. Know the limit to your help. Know the limit of what you can offer people. Thirdly, we've looked at what we do when we're feeling bad, we look at what we do when other people are feeling bad. Thirdly, What do we do to stay healthy? What is a salad when we go to the restaurant for our emotional health? What's a jog, 5K jog? Well, together today and tiny. Let's do it together. Let's be conversational around this. Do you know the most uh, used lie in church? It's not, I didn't park behind you in the St. Paul's car park. It is, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. We say it so easily, don't we? And we're not doing fine, and we're not doing okay. It's okay to say, I'm, I'm doing terribly. It's okay to say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing mostly good, but I'm a bit stressed this week. It's okay to say, yeah, I'm, I'm just struggling a bit with being anxious at the moment. Wherever we are, big or small, or good or bad, we can talk together. Secondly, today, don't leave it till tomorrow. I left it literally years to get help. And um, that nearly went really badly, that's a long story, but um, praise God I'm here. But do something today. Now is the day of salvation we read in uh, the Bible. Now is the day that God wants to meet you where you're at and look after you and love you. And finally, tiny. You're not going to do things that, um, if, if, if you're like me, then um, you have an idea and you jump to 100. Does anyone do that? Let's start at like 0.1, just do little things. Can you find a moment to be gentle? Can you say a really little, maybe you're, you're dealing with 100 worries, maybe you can tell one of them to your closest friend. What can we do that's small? but it's tiny, together, today, and tiny. If you want somewhere to start and you have no idea, then this is a great resource. It's called Action for Happiness. They do a calendar each month. You can't see it on the screens, really. Uh, but Sunday, the 1st of October, write down three things you can look forward to this month. It's nice, right? These things take about a minute. Stick it on the fridge. This is what I did. I stuck this on the fridge and, um, and do a little thing each day just to look after your mental health, see it as a salad, see it as a quick run around the park. We're going to respond uh, together, we're going to um, have a song in in a few moments, the band might want to come up, Um, and we're going to have communion together and we're going to invite you, if you want to um, respond more specifically to this, then, then communion is your chance to do that. We're gonna have people to pray and, and to stand with you, I'll, I'll be around. But I think before we have an opportunity to do that, and you don't have to respond um, during communion if you really don't want to. I know sometimes um, the nature of things makes it even harder to respond. So if you wanna find someone after the service and just say, look, can we chat, can we pray, can we go for a coffee? But make sure, remember point number two, today there's something to say if there's something to pray for then make sure you do it before you leave but now I think it'd be really good if we could respond together because this is something for all of us as I keep banging on about this is a reality for us all so just as we uh we have a bit of music and, and the music doesn't make the Holy Spirit come but it just gives us some background space to uh to be together I'd like to invite you uh, to do one of a few things. Perhaps you, you want to um, change your thinking on this. Perhaps you've um, struggled in the past, uh, that mental health and faith don't mix. Perhaps you want to say, Lord, uh, I want to understand this, this walk with you more. If that's you, um, just place your hand over your heart. Um, Oh, we've lost... Is there any any chance my my laptop can just come back on the screens uh, for a moment, please? Um, Because there's a little Bible verse. You might want to look at it in your own Bibles. You might want to look at it on the screen. But this is um, a little bit from Jonah chapter 2. And I think this is a beautiful, uh, poetic prayer of Jonah's. You may just want to read this, reflect on this, and pray into this. you may want to respond by saying, Lord, I want to take action. Whether it's for me, whether it's for someone else, whatever it might be, Lord, I I want to do something. I just encourage you to um, text a friend. Do something that makes you take action. Let's chat about something. Let's pray about something. Set a reminder to yourself to actually take action. We're going to have a few moments now. Lord, we pray, may you help us in this. Wherever we are, wherever we're coming from, may we respond in our hearts to you. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this talk. We have a series of other podcasts available from our Sunday services. For more information, please visit our website, stpauls.co.uk. Thank you.